If you had told me a couple of months ago that I would be talking about my favorite topic, which is doing the work with Little Wayne's ex-health coach, I would have told you you were crazy. And yet here we are today on the Fahrenheit podcast, talking about getting messy, getting your hands dirty, and putting in the work to accomplish all of your dreams. The idea of doing the work is a really broad statement, and yet it's like my favorite slogan. If you've ever worked for me, if you're in my family, if you're my poor friends that have to hear me talk about this ad nauseum, you understand the importance of what I call doing the work. Doing the work for me means showing up. It means putting in the effort and the hours, not just complaining about what you want to accomplish or who you want to be, but actually putting in the focus the hours and the effort and the heart and the passion towards accomplishing or working towards that goal. And there is no one better to tackle this topic with us than Carly Fain. I was recently introduced to Carly and I'm so glad that I was because we've had incredible conversations over the last few weeks about this idea. And really today on the Fahrenheit podcast, we are going to unpack this idea of doing the work and how you can use it as both an individual and an entrepreneur to really accomplish what you want. Carly has toured the country, as I mentioned, as the personal health coach to Little Wayne. Her clients are across MTV. They've won Grammy Awards. They're some of the biggest entrepreneurs, celebrities, and influencers in this country. And today, she focuses her time working with incredibly powerful, strong women who want to develop in their career, both personally and professionally. Carly, it is amazing to have you on the Fahrenheit podcast today. I really want to give you the floor to tell us a bit about yourself, but I'm so excited to be talking to you today specifically about this idea of the work and doing the work, which is something that I say constantly and have never really unpacked in a surgical public way. So Mm. I'm excited for you to challenge me today and probably challenge everyone who's listening to really unpack what does it mean to do the work. And in order to do that, I'd love to start with a bit of your background and telling us your journey and how you landed here. Well, thank you so much for having me. I've been really excited to be here ever since we had our little chat the other day where we're just getting to know each other. So, you know, my journey was not the journey I had planned. I think I've been rerouted a number of times in the course of my career. So having gone to school for, you know, business management and community justice, that was the trajectory I was on before my first major interruption, which was needing to have my knee recalibrated. I needed to have surgery on my leg and something went wrong and I had to learn how to walk again when I was just about to graduate college. And that would be the beginning of what would be a series of what I call professionally sacred interruptions where I'm on a career path. I'm on a trajectory. I'm very headstrong about where I want to go, what I want to do, very motivated. And something would happen that would stop me in my tracks and cause me to pause and be a lot more intentional about the decisions I was making. And I didn't know it at the time, Farron, but this would become one of the most important parts of my professional growth strategy. It was beginning to build in these pauses intentionally as part of the way I run my business. And I don't know about you, but like when I went to school for what I, for what I do, I was not taught to do anything other than grow, 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 grow all the time, like upward line on a chart all the time. Yeah. Yeah, Or else you're doing it wrong, like, or else something's off and then you have to figure out what's quote wrong. And I've just come to find that there's such a cycle and a rhythm to the way we as humans are, that if we leverage that 
that will make us the kind of professionals that light up a room because we're not chronically exhausted. We're not wanting to snap at people all the time. And so it's been a real exploration in this. And don't get me wrong. Like, I feel like this is something that I teach it and I'm continually having to practice it because my body will hold me accountable to making sure that it's nourished while while the career is growing. So it's been an interesting an interesting trajectory. I feel like I've had 80 different lifetimes in the course of the, the building of my career. You're a celebrity business coach, health coach, author, speaker. How do you take a pause in all of or in any of those things? Tell me tactically, what does that even really mean? I love that's a great question. So like, let's go back to like, <laughs> like my, let's like, get to the real point of that. Yeah, you know? like, tell yeah, because like, how do we do make it practical, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, how is how it applicable, especially if you're just beginning, right? Especially if your schedule is packed. Let's go back to like my my jet setting days. So for a long time, my business model was such that I would be contracted by one high profile celebrity at a time to be their live in coach, and I'd be with them twenty four seven. And you know, during that period of my time, building in a pause might look like when the tour bus would stop to refuel, which takes like 20 or 30 minutes for a tour bus, like that pause might just be me walking outside of the bus and putting my feet in the grass and breathing for three deep breaths before I needed to like get food because we're about to go back on the bus for another 15 hour haul, right? So sometimes the pause looks as small as I'm just gonna breathe for these three breaths in. Um, and that's, you know, where I recommend where I recommend beginning. I think the myth is or the fear is for a lot of the driven women that I work with is that if we slow down, things will fall apart. If I slow down, everything's going to fall apart. If I slow down, I'm going to get me? so comfortable. <laughs> right. It's like I'm going to get so comfortable if I sit down that I'm never going to want to get up again. And that's never been proven to be true for anyone. What we normally find is when we dare to pause, we actually activate the parasympathetic part of the nervous system, which is the part of the brain that in our new economy is becoming the most profitable sector of where we're watching things grow. So what I mean when I say that is like, we've passed the information age. That age has came to a close a couple of years ago, where now we've entered the creativity age, where businesses are paying a lot of money to people who can do creative problem solving because we need solutions, right? Mm -hmm. Like we need solutions to political issues. We need solutions right now to C-19. We need environmental solutions. We need solutions within our own personal lives, within our own businesses. That kind of thinking doesn't happen in the sympathetic part of the nervous system, which is that driven fight or flight part of the nervous system. So when we like build in these pauses, we actually activate our neurobiology to think better to come up with faster solutions and to stop doing all the putting out of all the fires all day long. So it's interesting. I don't say to like slow down just because it feels good because it doesn't feel good for driven women <laughs> um, and for many men too. Like it's interesting, right? Like we all say like, I want to relax, but when we sit down to relax, we don't enjoy it. Like our mind starts going a million miles a minute. So we don't slow down because it feels good. We slow down because it's profitable because it, it's, it's what keeps us clear. So I would say first, would love to understand your thoughts on this global pause and what does it mean and how does it feel? And ironically, in this pause, I have found relaxing to be the most challenging thing that I have to do. In the height, really, of the fear and of the concern, certainly around coronavirus, I felt the need to like keep moving. So would just love to hear your thoughts again on this global pause. And do you actually think it will make a really positive impact as we all think about what comes next? 
Ooh, that's a great question. And I think it, it really comes down to those of us who are willing to do the work. So here's the topic of Here your show, go. right? Yeah. So the work for, for driven, for motivated people is not putting in the hours. And you and I have talked about this before, right? We say that we're not afraid of hard work and that we like doing hard work. And I call BS with a lot of love on myself and all of the driven folks out there who perpetuate this myth that we like doing hard work because the truth is long hours and being really focused on our careers is not hard for us. That is our comfort zone. It actually comes a lot easier to us than it does to some other people. What is hard for us is daring to slow down. Because when we slow down, that's when all the things that we've been able to push to the side start to bubble up, right? So tell me if this is relatable. I'm so curious for you, Fran. In my practice, we, we've coined this phrase, the three H's of C-19, because these are the three specific ways I'm watching driven people respond to C-19. The first one is hiding. The first H is just like, I got to get under the covers. I can't get out. I can't even look at social media for two seconds. I don't want to talk to anybody. The news is terrifying me, right? Yeah. The second H is what we've, what we've been calling hula hooping which is like your mind is just on a loop all day long. You're starting a task and then you're doing half of it and then you're doing another task and another task. And the next thing you know, you're like half completing a million tasks. So you're exhausted by the end of the day and yet you feel like you didn't nail any yeah. one thing. Yeah, right. Like what happened? And then the third one is hyper productivity. And this is the go-to move for driven folks. Being hyper productive is the addiction we are comfortable with because it is socially accepted. And so, you know, the, the thing about each of these, whether it's the hiding or the hula hooping or the hyper productivity, is there's nothing wrong with them as long as we do them consciously. Mm. But when they become our default and they're no longer happening consciously, we're doing busy work, not necessarily our best work. And what I most care about is that's just not sustainable for driven people. So like, we need hustle to start a business. Like, I don't want to pretend like you can meditate your way into starting a business. I meditate all the time. It's not what started my business. Like, that's not enough. But that hustle that we get used to in the beginning, while it serves us because it opens some doors, it gets us out there, maybe it grows your business or your career. It's the exact same thing that prevents us from getting to the next level of having a career and a personal life at the same time. So I I think you're spot on that for those who are willing to have the courage to intentionally pause, we call this the fertile void in my practice. So like Mm. the fertile void is this unknown phase in our career that happens for all of us many times. It's like winter. It's like it looks like if you live up in like New England, where I used to live, it looks dead like nothing's happening in winter, like nothing's growing. But the truth is all the roots for all the plants are getting deeper into the soil. It's a very fertile time. It just doesn't look like anything to anybody else. And mm. I think what happened is we were just collectively thrown into the fertile void where all of a sudden we all felt like, I have no idea what's happening next. I don't know what to do. And we don't live, like the Western culture doesn't have vocabulary for how rich a time of not having the answers can be because it's really an opportunity to reset, recalibrate, and be thoughtful about the decisions we're making professionally. I've always been someone who talks about doing the work. And what I mean by that is really a very aggressive effort towards growth, mind, body, spirit, soul, sexuality, profession. It doesn't really matter to me. And in fact, I consider myself someone who's pretty aggressive in all of those areas. Mm -hmm. And I have never been someone where those arenas in any capacity where the growth in those arenas has come naturally. 
Right. For me, it's all about the effort. I'll never forget, I was studying for my AP history exam and my twin sister, Amanda, like studied for a couple of hours and like aced it. I, on the other hand, studied for like three weeks straight, locked myself in a room, had every encyclopedia color coordinated with notes and <laughs> note cards and still got a B plus, right? Right. So for me, I think I was trained at a really young age to think and believe that to get what I wanted, hard work was required. And I'm not saying that it isn't, right? But this idea of the work has always been something that's like been really important in my life. And as both a leader and even in relationships, it's something that I preach. So this idea of doing the work to me is the conscious effort towards achieving your goals and what it takes to get to those goals. But then the other day oh, on a I call to that. me, the other day on a call though, you challenged me because what you said <laughs> to me was, we're not really doing the work if it comes easy. And what I realized as I've been thinking about that incredibly challenging thing that you said was <laughs> the hard work is what comes easy for me. Like those sleepless hours, the countless effort, the blood, the sweat, the tears, sort of even yeah. really in some ways finding confidence in that amount of work, but it's not necessarily working smart. And I think as you grow in any area of your life, as a leader, as an entrepreneur, as a brand builder, I feel like time becomes more and more important and working smarter mm. becomes more and more important. And if you really want to reach new heights in each of these areas, at some point you stop needing to do the things that come easy and you start having to do the things that come more challenging or harder, right? Yeah. So I would love to maybe understand from you, this might be a challenging question too, but what is an example or what was an example for you of when something got hard? When did you recognize consciously that like the work you were doing wasn't really the hard work and that it was time to step up your game? <laughs> Ooh, I love that question. Because I feel like I've had to learn that like 20 times and I'm, and I'm probably not done learning it. But an example that I talk about a lot because it was such a game changing moment for me and to be really real here was my former fiance passing suddenly been almost three years now since that happened. And at that point in my life, I had just left like the celebrity coaching. I decided to get off the road and have my own life again. So I was transitioning to be able to work from home and, and to build a practice that was really centered around what I think of as the everyday rock stars, women who are running their own businesses. They're really like, that's who runs the world in my yes, eyes. Yes, we do. And <laughs> so, yeah, so I was, so here I am at this moment of a huge career pivot. I need to be making revenue like yesterday. And my former fiance passes suddenly and I was rocked like to the ground. And for the first time in my life, Farron, me, who was a professional at appearing to have it all together, couldn't publicly have it all together. I couldn't have faked it if I wanted to. I was just I was beside myself. I mean, on the yeah. floor. And this was what was my terror was, oh, my God, my business is going to fold at the same time that I'm going through this grieving because there's no way I can do all the things I would normally do. And I had to scale back to the absolute essentials for my company. Like, what are the meetings that have to happen? What are the programs we have to run? And how can I just cancel, literally cancel, not reschedule, cancel everything else? Because I don't know when I'm going to be OK again. Oh, the man. end of that year, it happened in a December. So within the next calendar year, we had brought in more revenue and had more high paying clients than ever before. And it was because I stopped doing all the things and I needed, you know, the powers that be to make me stop doing all the things because I wouldn't have done it on my own. Because to your beautiful point, you know, my comfort zone is was priding myself on being the hardest worker in the room. And it turns out, oh my gosh, hard work is important. But these other things, you know, being really intentional about our work and 
one thing I realized during that moment was, Baron, if we don't consciously pause and create the career that we want, we will unconsciously replicate the career trajectory that we have been taught for the last 200 years, which we now know is no longer effective in our modern economy. And so it really takes this, this, this daring, like it's an act of courage in a world that runs on Duncan to say, hold up, I'm going to like build in a breather here and, and consciously create work that I can sustain because that's a big part of it. That's why people would hire me as a live-in coach. Like they're, they've won three Grammys. Now everyone's like looking at them. They're on the cover of everything and they're terrified that they can't sustain it because they know how intense the demands are. And so learning how to prune out your activities like a gardener would, like ruthlessly getting really clear about what gives you life is, is an essential professional practice that women are actually made to do. Well, first I'm so sorry for your loss and incredibly inspired by you and your journey. Even before telling me that story, I can't imagine how challenging and in some ways rewarding those learnings must have been. And I think that it is often the most challenging moments that give us the greatest lessons. I have an incredible teacher who always said to me, you pay the most for the course that's the best and hardest to get into. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, what's been really interesting about this moment in time is I have been living in New York for 15 years, running at the speed of light. I feel <laughs> like I have actually just been running a marathon since the moment that I moved there and probably even before, although not consciously. And it took a true global pandemic for me to slow down at all. And it's been the most challenging. The, yeah. the adjusted pace and finding productivity in the adjusted pace and then finding beauty in that has been more difficult to me than really building my business. Mm, and I, I believe think, that. I yeah. Believe and it, I yeah. think what you just said, which is you're the hardest working person in the room. I can imagine that a lot of people listening to this podcast are the hardest working people in the room. And there's a distinction between doing it in a healthy way and then doing it in, a, in really an addictive way and in a yes. way that is not really serving us. And this question of can I do the work, but can I do it better, I think is such an incredible one. And one that I honestly hadn't thought of until you really brought it up the other day, where you said, yeah, you're doing the work, but like, are you doing the work that's hard? And interestingly <laughs> enough, you know, I, to share some vulnerability, I recently went through a divorce, which I couldn't fake it if I tried. What I recognized in that was one, that to be a, I think for me, and this might be true for many women, to be an effective leader, I had to be vulnerable which mm -hmm. I spent 15 years in corporate marketing roles for male leaders, either hiding my vulnerability or having to curb it or getting judged by it. But I had to share my vulnerability. The other one was I had to also focus on what was most essential. And I actually am not good at it. I think what I'm really taking from this conversation with you and the homework I'm about to embark on is like, how can I learn from that beautiful story you just shared with me and challenge myself to really dive into what is most important on the day-to-day, -day, where I actually have found more of an ability to be and focus on what's essential is in everything around me outside mm. of the day-to-day -day of like my calendar. So right. I understand the fundamentals. And what I was really thinking about when you spoke before was this idea of like everything you just said, understanding what is most essential, thinking about where we should be spending our time can be applied so 
unbelievably well to both how we build our lives and also how we build brands. And, you know, everything that I do, of course, as a brand builder kind of comes back to how do I build a brand? We think about what is our mission? What is our purpose? What are our values? What is the framework for decision making that we either decide we do things or don't do things through? And it's really no different than what you just expressed. And actually in that simplicity is the hard work right? Like that's where the hard work comes. So now that you're conscious of it, how do you do it? And how do you coach people to get them to see that and then make it happen? Oh, that's like, we could spend five hours talking on on just this, right? So like, let's look at a part of it is, is beginning to look at ourselves as whole beings. I think we've been taught to see ourselves as fragments, like, oh, this is work me. And this is home me. And this is like spouse me. And this is friend me. And this is sister me. Compartmentalizing of ourselves. Yes. Yeah. And so what we do when we fragment the way we see ourselves is we also fragment our energy because then we begin to feel split, like we're being pulled in all these different directions. And so it's daring to lean back in a moment and look at ourselves from a a whole perspective, look at the entire, you know, circle of our life and see what it is that nourishes us and making sure that we're tapping into what nourishes us. So I'll give you like an example, because what the beginning step here is for a lot of us who are driven to the point of exhaustion, we might mean, well, we do really care about our career, right? Like the intention is good, but what we're doing is we're actually running away from something we're scared of rather than walking towards what gives us life. So here's like a classic client example. One of my clients won a lot of Grammys, makes an annual, you know, royalty salary of $20 million a year. So if he stopped working today, he would make 20 million a year, no problem. And we worked together for four years. And I cannot tell you how many times over the course of that four years, he would say, Carly, I'm retiring this year. I'm done. This is going to be the year I'm going to retire. Right. Like I would, I've been working hard. I just want to enjoy myself. But then this terrifying fear would arise of, but if I'm not, on a sold out stadium stage, then who am I? And we realized that he was working because he was scared of not being enough if his identity wasn't attached to his career. And that puts the pressure on our career to not just make us money, but to be our best friend and to be our source of confidence and to be our everything. And careers, they're like, they're kind of like a bad boyfriend, you know, or a bad partner. And that like our career is always shifting and changing. It's always got its eye on the next good thing. Right. And so we can't expect our career to give us everything. And so it's time to consider, OK, I care a lot about my career. What do I also love? What gives me life? Am I tending to that as well so that I have the energy to show up for the career, not because I'm scared of who I'll be if I'm not perceived as the heart of worker, but because I'm showing up for it because I actually care about it and I'm, I'm excited to do the work. So it's asking that question of what gives me life, which again, like sounds like it's no big deal. It's one thing to sit with the question, but then it's another thing to begin to schedule what gives you life into your calendar on a regular basis. And I love your point of this is literally what you live and breathe for your business and branding. Like you are a pro at getting very clear on the mission and the vision and the values. And a lot of us are in certain areas. It's just about taking that to the rest of our life so that our personal life and our career are no longer competing with each other, that they're actually got mojo. You know, and I call BS on the idea of work-life balance. That's not a real thing. That's why nobody has it. And that's why everyone's selling books on it. It's not about balance because there will be times when we're doing more of one than the other. But it is about having like a flow between the two where they support each other. Does that make sense? Does that answer? Oh, we talk at Fahrenheit all the time about what I call fluidity. And it Mm. wasn't until I created fluidity in my life that I really unlocked the ability to lead 
and to go after what I wanted, quite frankly. I was living in a completely compartmentalized world. Really, my personal and my professional life, I felt like could not live together in parallel Mm -hmm. at all. And they were constantly at odds with one another. And I was on this quest for this invisible work-life balance that everybody talks about. (laughs) And not only could I not find it, but I was miserably failing at it. And it wasn't until I said, I give up. I give up trying to strike a balance. I am going to try and create a system and an environment and really a schedule. Like it's that actually simple, a schedule that fuels me. Mm. Asking myself questions of like, when do I like to work? When am I the most creative? How do I like to work? Is it really that important for me to be there for a friend or a family's event? Or do I just feel like I should be? Whereas Mm -hmm. is it actually more impactful for me to spend one-on-one time with them and then stop feeling guilty about the stuff I can't show up for because those are the times when I actually need to be working? Like really navigating this question of how do I create a more fluid approach to my life? And through that lens, I recognize I had to be an entrepreneur. And I was always an Mm -hmm. entrepreneur in my own way, but I did work for large organizations that had more rigid work schedules, that had more office and company culture that I had to abide by. Whereas at Fahrenheit, we abide by no rules. (laughs) I feel like we're like the lost boys in Peter Pan. That's like my company culture, (laughs) basically. But like, I fundamentally believe in one of the values of my company is what we call being human. And being human Mm -hmm. means that we all have different needs and wants, both personally and professionally. And if we actually can find both a rhythm and an understanding and a respect for one another's, we're probably going to perform better. So like, let's try it. So there are amazing people in my company that are night owls and work all night long. And I will never hear from them before 11 Mm a.m. And there are some people in my company that are up at six and that works for them. And when someone wants to go on a vacation, they understand they're accountable to getting done what they need to get done. And I actually think that they find and they feel way more responsibility to supporting their teammates than they would if they were forced to be in the office for those days. And that works for me. And I'm not putting judgment on someone else's office culture, but I think it speaks to this idea that I think fluidity and creating a more fluid life between the things you love, your work, what you want to accomplish is just, for me, has been a huge unlock in my life and in my business. I love that so much. Can I can I share something from like the field oh, of biology please, that might be please. relevant? Okay, because this, this blew my mind like 10 years ago when I first learned of this research. I feel like you're about to blow my mind. I'm ready. So, you know, we always assumed that like when a when a baby was growing in the womb, when the fetus was growing in the womb, that, you know, at some point their body begins to build blood vessels and then blood begins to run through that. That that just makes logical sense. But what we actually find now that we have the technology to watch new life grow is that every embryo as it's growing has its own unique rhythm of fluid that runs through its body. And then the body goes about building blood vessels around the natural rhythm of that being. And I think about that a lot in the way we run our business. And this is why I love what you're sharing. It's like, rather than trying to squeeze ourselves into some predetermined mold that may or may not work, right? It's like, it's getting clear about what is the natural rhythm, use your word fluidity, of of myself, of my teammates, and then how can we build this malleable structure? So there is structure, but that it's flexible and it's fluid that supports the life of our brand, right? That supports the life. And I think this is what we're watching happen in a lot more effective way in the way our economy is, is evolving. And C-19 is a huge wake-up call to us about the structures that are no longer effective. So like having huge office buildings where you're paying massive overhead, 
that's really hard for companies that now can't yes. sustain that if employees yeah. can't physically be there. Absolutely. And so there's these ex examples of structures that might have served a purpose for a period of time and now might not. And we could see that with big companies, but we can also see that for you know ourselves as individuals or for smaller teams, this idea of, okay, so what are the structures that might have got us here that are no longer of service, right? And what are the values that we're going to build a new framework around that's increasingly malleable? Because we know that our economy is going to be continually changing quickly, probably for a long time. What's interesting is this idea of what served us and what no longer will serve us goes back to the original point here of even doing the work. Immediately, what I thought about was we start out by going through the motions of doing good in high school, having good SATs, getting into a good college, getting your first job and climbing this corporate ladder. And to your point, that is proven as a model for success depending on how you view success. And it exactly. certainly <laughs> it certainly has not proven to be a model towards happiness. And I think happiness has been one of those things that has, for me, been like a constant challenge in my life. Mm -hmm. And actually, it wasn't until my 30s that I even started to ask myself this question of like, what makes me happy, which <laughs> right. is a whole, other, a whole other episode. But I think going back to this conversation of doing the work, there comes a point in every business and every brand and in every individual where what worked for you in the past no longer works. And in fact, what doing the work really means is when you get to that plateau or precipice, whichever one you'd like to think of it as, saying I'm ready for that next challenge and yeah. taking it on um, as a society, as an, as an individual or as a leader, taking it on with full force. I actually feel like to your point, the transformation that we're going to see as a society based on what's gone on with COVID-19. And I think also Black Lives Matter and the movement around systemic racism and changing that within our country. I think we're going to see a lot of systemic change. It's challenged me to think about what's most important in a way that I hadn't in the past. I just appreciate so much the authenticity at which you at which you share your experience in this conversation, because you're right that this is exactly what leadership is craving as we're looking for more authentic leaders. We're not looking for people who can stand behind a podium and preach to us about how to live and do our careers right. I think a lot of us are ready to get rid of the gatekeeper between ourselves and our truth. We don't need one more person telling us how to live. It's more I think we're looking for leaders that are able to say, I'm in here with you. Like, I'm not behind the podium. I'm here with you. My sleeves are rolled up. Let's get in and do this together. And something about what you just shared reminded me of, I think, and this talk about doing the work for us career motivated folks. What we're looking for is, you know, the rigid structures by which corporations ran for a long time, no longer applicable yeah. for a lot of for a lot of markets. We actually, it's a time of softening. You know, mm. we've all been wearing our armor for a long time. And I just want to offer to anybody who's listening a lot of grace around this concept of tapping into what you value or getting clear about how you want to show up moving forward, because this was not modeled for us. I had no role models that taught me how to do well in business and well in life at the same time. And I was fortunate in that I was raised in a yoga ashram. So I was raised around yes. like all these leaders who are at the forefront of health and wellness. And then I went to school for business and like, I didn't feel like I fit into either one. It never occurred to me until, you know, I was rocked to my core that they're directly related to each other and that we could leverage both. So just like giving ourselves grace, we cannot punish ourselves into joy. 
And I know because I tried. <laughs> like I tried to like schedule happiness at specific times. You know, like I tried. It's like we can't punish our way into thriving in the new economy. It actually takes softening. And that in and of itself is a scary idea for those of us who have been ingrained with this idea that vulnerability is weakness. And we know Brene Brown does so much great research about how vulnerability is really an asset, especially professionally. I was literally going to say on the point you made before, it reminded me of the Brene Brown quote, which isn't really her quote, but it's like, if you're not in the arena, blood, sweat, and tears, like you don't really have a say in my life. Yeah. Um, And I live by this quote. And like, if you're in the arena, come talk to me. Honestly, if you're in the arena, come listen to this podcast. Like this (laughs) podcast is all about living in the arena, which goes back to the, my love of the effort, right? My love of doing the work blood, sweat, tears, and all. And I do think that that actually is the act. Like the act is just Mm -hmm. consciously saying, I want to try. I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to change. I want to make an impact. I want to do better. I think that act in and of itself is the beginning of the most important piece, right? It's kind of like having the awareness um, of it that I think is so interesting and so important. I was going to ask you this question, which is you talked about your incredible upbringing on a yoga ashram and then this other side of you. At what point were you able to integrate and how did you integrate? Because I know that that integration unlocked your whole life. So maybe just tell me a little bit about that moment for you and sort of the journey that that then took you on. Sure. Because, you know, so when I would be checking into hotels with an entourage, usually there'd be like a bell person who'd be helping me bring all my Uh, stuff up to the room. And like once we were alone, I say 50 percent of the time, like on the elevator with all my stuff, the bell person would turn to me and say, so like, how did you get this job? And I don't know if it's because I work with like a lot of gangster rappers and I'm like, clearly this like white farm girl, like, how did you end up here or what? Maybe they ask this of everybody. Right. And I hated that question, Farron, because I felt like I didn't know how at the time to articulate the answer because, yeah, I do the work meeting the hours. But there was this other thing that I knew that I was doing for a long time, which was this like what I call my daily thrive practice, which is my time in the morning where I get centered, where I take care of my body. Like there is no business without my body. Like the entire business is built upon the ability for my body to show up and having been sick or having to learn how to walk again and like different times where my body wasn't up to snuff, really pointed out to me that I can't risk that as a professional. Like they're not separate. Right. So I, so that's one part, bear with me. Cause the other part of this was my former fiance was a professional skateboarder. So he's trying to teach me how to skateboard and I'm terrible, like disproportionately terrible at skateboarding. Mm -hmm. And I remember being really jealous because he had a son who grew up skateboarding, who was effortless and could glide on a skateboard. And I just wished like, man, I wish I learned something when I was young that Mm -hmm. I was like a natural at now. And this is what I found to be true is that we all have something that's incredibly valuable. That's as natural to us as breathing that we don't realize we're doing it. So I didn't realize, Farron, that I was pausing the entire growth of my career. I just, I wasn't conscious that that's what I was doing, you know, but I swear, like every time I take a three-day yoga retreat somewhere, I'd come back to like four new clients asking to work with me, or just Mm. I'd go get a massage and somebody would go pay an invoice while I'm getting a massage that was outdue. Like I'd make money every time I relaxed. And that was so counterculture to what we've been taught um, that I didn't understand that it could be a professional strategy. And so it was like, you know, it took me well into my 30s to realize, oh, 
like my secret sauce, which doesn't need to be a secret at all, is is that these two things, the daring to pause, is actually a really great professional professional skill, and I don't need to see it as separate. It's definitely the most important and profitable thing. My company, we have all these built-in pauses that we do on a regular basis as an organization to make sure that we're being really smart and strategic about, about the work we're doing. For an entrepreneur or a creative or a brand builder out there, or someone who is thinking about taking a leap and making a change, what advice can you give them? If you were coaching them, if they were lucky enough to have you coaching them, where would you tell them to start? Or what tools would you tell them to, you know, use and leverage as they're thinking about making this sort of next leap? Oh, great question. Here's the starting point, And it's similar <laughs> to what I just said. It's always in the daring to pause. So here's one thing that we know is really important as our economy is shifting is that there isn't a lot of solid information around us. You know, there Mm. aren't, we're all looking for answers that don't necessarily exist right now, especially during a time of COVID. It's really important as a leader, whether you are the leader running your own company or you're just the leader in your world, in your own life, in your family or within your circle. It's really important that some of the information that you're using to make your decisions is self-sourced meaning that it's coming from within you. And so the starting point is to dare to pause and ask yourself the question, what do I value? For if we know what you value, then every professional opportunity that comes your way, we can hold up against the lens of that value and say, great. If you, for example, value, like right now, I really value um, time with my nephews. They're young. This is a really special time to be close to them. Yeah. (laughs) So, So like, does this professional opportunity support my ability to be with my nephews or not? And if it doesn't, here's the, those of us who live a life and we thrive in our careers at the same time, we're actually really ruthless about saying, okay, no, not now. And not just taking the next best offer or taking the quickest knee-jerk response. So it's, it's building in intentionality, daring to pause. And I suggest that we do this before the moment where we have to make the decision. Mm. And if you're in a moment, if you're listening right now and you're in a moment where you have to make a decision, it's a-okay, still okay, take the pause. But it's great for us to consider what we value now so that when something comes our way, we don't have to do the work then. We kind of had this prepared sense of of what's true. Yeah. So self-sourcing your information. It's huge. I talk about being ruthless all the time. And actually, (laughs) my intention last year, which I did not live up to, or maybe this is just me being hard on myself, which is a theme here at Fahrenheit Podcast. (laughs) But being ruthless with my time was something and still something that I challenge myself. And as I mentioned, that I struggle with. But I feel like what just occurred to me is for those of us who really take effort, blood, sweat, tears to do the work, the challenge, and maybe our challenge that Carly and I are now giving you is to take the pause. And maybe for those of us that live in the pause, as many people I admire do, maybe the challenge is to put a little grit towards it and Mm. really go outside of your own comfort zone of how you get things done to try something a different way. Here at Fahrenheit on Mondays, we do this thing called Set the Tone. And every Monday I come in with somewhat of an intention for the team and I like wax poetic about what the tone of the week is. And actually this week, the tone was what I called shake it off. And what I meant by shake it off was there's something that is not working for everyone on the team, whether that is a personal something or a professional something, every one of you 
to my team members, every one of you knows what I'm talking about. It's that thing that's keeping you up right now, whether it's a marketing strategy for one of our clients, whether it's a growth strategy, whether it's a brand strategy, whether you're executing an influencer marketing plan, a press or something that's going on with your boyfriend. Like it could be anything, but there is something right now that is not working for you. So my challenge to you this week is to do it different, to shake off the frustration that it is not working and to just try it a different way. And I think that inherently what I didn't even think about truly until right now is that that is actually, I was probably inspired by you (laughs) because you and I had had this conversation around doing the work and how doing the work is not about doing what comes easy. It's about doing what is hard and changing it up, shaking it off, trying something that doesn't come naturally to you is inherently where the growth lies. Everyone asks me if I meditate. And I know that when people ask me this question, it's because they're like, do you meditate because you should? It's like a, <laughs> it's like a you should conversation. Yeah, it's like, do you need, you want a breath mint? Like, do you want right. a breath mint? You're like, because exactly. you should have a breath mint, right? No yeah. one, right. No one's like, Farron, do you run a marathon? Like, do you run a, a mile yeah. a day? Like, no one's ever asked me that question. In fact, I don't. And I probably should do that too. But like this, do you meditate question is a question of like, you could use a pause. It could probably benefit you. And so I think the biggest takeaway from this incredible conversation that we're having really is to go outside of your comfort zone, to try something different and to see the reaction or the, that, that has, and that really for many of us taking that moment of conscious pause creates a clarity and a shift that will help us get to what we really want and get to where we want and who we want to be. Beautifully said. I think that's That's powerfully said, beautifully said. And, you know, and to be aware of, you know, just the languaging that we use and the way we run our schedule, because I don't think it's always about doing, I've replaced the hard work. It's not about doing hard work because I don't need more hard work in my life. There's a lot in the world that feels hard. It's what's true. I'm doing the true work. True work. Like, what's true? And oftentimes the true work is the like, oh, shucks. Oh, God, I've got to do it this way work, right? It's like, oh, (laughs) right? But that's another opportunity to self-source because we we have good barometers with practice of what's true. And so I love this. Like, we don't have to have an aggressive marketing strategy. We can have a true marketing strategy or we can have an effective marketing strategy or we can have, right, a prosperous marketing strategy. But just like noticing our language, like, because I think a lot of traditional patriarchy language sounds as if we're constantly going to war. We need an aggressive plan of attack on this thing, you know? And when I sit in a boardroom sometimes, I'm like, why are we aggressively attacking? And like, who can aggressively sustain aggressively attacking every day? Like what team can sustain that Um, And in a healthy way? And so I love, I love your invitation. What's crazy is like my natural instinct is to be like me, my team can, right? Like even, (laughs) but even that, even that, that's like a condition that I've created for myself. So I love this challenge. I am going to take this challenge myself. I'm going to ask anyone who's listening if they want to take this challenge too. And I will report back at some point on how this goes. Carly, it has been such a pleasure having you. I have a couple of quick questions I'm going to throw at you. Let's do it. And thank you so much for having me too. Well, the first, I actually am going to add a bonus question in here today. So the first question I'm going to ask you is, what is egg wisdom? I love egg wisdom. So egg wisdom comes to us from a woman named Kate Northrup. So here's, we're having a biology day. I was not expecting this. So here's a little science around the way reproduction works in the human body. This is fascinating. So I think we were all taught, at least I know when I was in school, we would see these like, old videos in the 50s of an egg in a petri dish and like we were taught that the sperm that swam the fastest would be the one that would fertilize the egg and be the winner what we actually know to be true now is that an egg sits in the womb 
and it emits a signal. Um, it's, so it's really clear about who it is. It sits in the room and emits a signal that the sperm can sense. The sperm, when they sense the signal, they swim on over. And then the egg actually decides which sperm will penetrate her surface. She selects the sperm. Only that one gets through. And once it gets through, the egg has the power to modify the DNA of that sperm to be a match for what she's looking to create. And then the kicker, the last part, is the egg actually has enough nourishment packed within her within herself to be able to feed her and the sperm until they go in plan on the side of the uterus. So in other words, like like most women, she's like packed a snack, like there's something in her purse, oh you know, God. like to sustain them. So all of this biology lesson is to say that the egg doesn't run around like a crazy person, you know, trying to do all the things. The egg actually stays put. She knows who she is. <laughs> she stays in one area. That emits a frequency that other things around her can sense. She then selects who is allowed inside of her sphere, and she modifies their interaction so that it is true for her. And we have all been taught to run businesses like sperm. And this is the era for egg wisdom. And a lot of my clients will say, like, the moment I got clear about what I valued, things start coming to me. Like, I'm not having to chase opportunities. I'm not having to, like, be the one that markets the hardest or be the one that works the longest hours anymore because things just start coming my way. And some people call that law of attraction, which I totally vibe with, but I think of it as just focus. Like, again, we just get clear. So credit to Kate Northrup on that. But that uh, it's a beautiful way of considering for those who it rings true. How can I be the egg rather than the sperm? What would that look like? It's like an energy. Like, I'm going to command that energy, you know, command the <laughs> yeah. egg energy. Yeah, I, yeah. That is fascinating. Okay, rapid fire questions. What's your brand? So my brand is I show career motivated women who are secretly exhausted how to stop people pleasing and start prospering in our new economy in their career, their health, and their relationships. And the way mm. we do that, that's a little bit different, is that rather than giving you more to do, we really just leverage your personal nourishment as part of a professional growth strategy. This is how you become the shining light in every room without having to do all the work. That's a fancy way of saying egg wisdom. I love <laughs> egg it. Wisdom. Egg wisdom. We got to the first <laughs> answer before we even knew about it. What are your three values? What do you value most? Right now, grounded truth, unabashed nourishment, and rampant sisterhood. Ooh. Rising with other women is, is what gives me and, and my business life right now, which is great. It's very beautiful. My last question for the day. If you were a slogan, what would you be? Mm. Can I have two slogans? Is that okay? Yes, yes. <laughs> God, uh, we've we'll covered one. so much pick today. One. I feel like yeah, pick one and just no. edit the other one out. Yeah, it's fine. Get clear. Um, Get clear, Carly. No, we'll do two because I feel like they're going to be good. So my first one right now is if you aren't disappointing someone, you are exhausting yourself. Mm. That's like my first, like my first one right now. Um, but then the other one I think would be that we thrive through nourishment, not mm. punishment in our careers and beyond. Amazing. Thank you You're so much. Amazing. Thank you so much. I feel like I'm about to call you after to finish this discussion. This was really unbelievable. And I'm just so excited to continue learning from you and listening. If anybody wants to find Carly, she's the Messy and Magnificent podcast. And obviously we'll throw all your stuff out onto the internet. But thank you so much. This has been a pleasure. Thank you for having me and for being the leader of this really important conversation. 